0: Hello, I'm Derek Walker and I'm the pastor of the Oxford Bible Church. And today we're going to start a new series on biblical prosperity the teaching of the Bible on our finances. And, and for many, this is an emotional or even controversial subject. And no doubt some will over preach this subject or manipulate the subject, perhaps with an ulterior motive of gaining money. But we must be careful not to throw the baby out with the bathwater because there's a lot in the Bible on finances and we need to see what the Lord has to say to us in this area. We need to take a balanced approach, going right down the middle of the road of truth rather than into ditch the two ditches on either side. You see, there are two complementary truths uh, concerning God's will and God's purpose for our finances, that we need to hold these two together in balance. Uh, If we just focus on one of them and emphasize one of them, we'll go on in the ditch on one side or on the other side. Uh, But if we go down the middle, and the way we do that is by fully embracing both truths, it's not either or, but both. And then that will keep us on course and we'll be looking at that. These two truths are, first of all, God's will is to prosper you, is to bless you in every area of your life, spirit, soul, body, relationships and finances. That's the way God is. And secondly, we must also hold to the fact that God's purpose is to bless and prosper you financially so that you would be a blessing to others, uh, especially to the kingdom of God. And so we see this perfect balance in Genesis twelve three, when God said to Abraham as, as what the covenant would be, I will bless you and I will make you a blessing. There you have the two parts. First of all, God will bless so that Abraham would become a blessing and that is God's idea for us too. He wants to bless us financially so that we can be a blessing to the earth. And so, these are the two blessings the blessings of receiving and the blessings of giving. We need to learn how to receive from God, to let God bless us. There's also the blessing of giving, that as God blesses us, we use that blessing to bless others. So, we need to understand receiving and giving. Our receiving is to do with our faith, and we need our faith built up to, to move in the blessing of God, uh, but also our, res- our giving is to do with our love, and obviously that is important, that we use the blessing God's given us in love to help others to promote the kingdom of God. So one ditch on one side of the road would be a self-centered preoccupation with our own prosperity. You know, if we just focus on the fact that God's will is to prosper us, and hear and listen to that all the time, then the danger of that is that that will just appeal to our flesh, You know if the only reason we watch programs on tv is to learn how to be a success in life and and how to get money and so on Uh, we're becoming self-orientated and that's not the spirit of christianity and and so that's why there may be a reaction against prosperity teachers sometime because people think that's all that they're doing well i want to, to make it clear that i believe that there is God's will is to bless us, to prosper us. And I teach that because it's in the Bible. But it must be taught together with the other truth, that God's purpose in blessing us, yes, to look after our needs, but mostly that we would be a blessing in the earth. You see, if we don't teach that it's God's will to prosper us, we'll end up in the other ditch, which I call the poverty mentality. Uh, this, is the, this has plagued the church for 2,000 years. The kind of understanding that somehow God wants to keep us poor. Gone poverty is some kind of spiritual blessing. And uh, the thought behind it is that money is evil. But actually it's God who created and provided all the wealth of the earth for us to, to use and enjoy. Uh, it's not money, but it's the love of money that's the root of much evil. You know, a a poor man is just as possible to have a love of money as a rich man. And you can be a rich man, and yet God be much more important to you than your money. Like Abraham, for example. God himself, God's rich, but uh, his priorities are right. So the issue really is our heart attitude toward money. And if our heart is right, God can trust us with the use of his wealth, knowing that it won't corrupt us. And that's how he's blessed many great men of God in the Bible. We need to be absolutely clear, first of all, and this is what I want to major on today, that God's will is to bless us. We need to be clear. Because of this poverty thinking that has kind of um, got the church, into confusion. We do need to be clear, and I know this is, should sound obvious, that prosperity, that blessing, is a blessing. It's part of the blessing. And poverty is part of the curse. Uh, this should be self-evident, really. Let's think about before when God created the world. He created all things good. It was, it was a prosperous place. It was a blessed place. There was no lack. There, there was no poverty, and that was God's perfect will for Adam and Eve. Only when they sinned did they cut themselves off from God's blessing, and that's when the curse came in. Genesis 3.17, God says, Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you'll eat of it. All the days of your life, both thorns and thistles, it will bring forth for you. You'll eat the herb of the field, and in the sweat of your face you'll eat bread till you return to the ground. In other words, you're going to struggle now. It isn't there's prosperity that, that was, but that was the curse. That wasn't God's perfect will. And so the, this struggle for survival, that wasn't God's will. God wants, wanted to prosper them. Well, one day, the Bible prophesies that God will remove the curse from the earth again. And again, the earth will be like that Garden of Eden. God's will will be done as, as the Lord reigns on the earth and at that time there'll be an abundance of prosperity and an absence of poverty, praise God. And even now in heaven where God's will is perfectly done, there's no poverty, there's no lack, there's only abundance and prosperity. Look what the, the concrete that God uses in the new Jerusalem, in his city, it's transparent gold. Praise God. God is rich and he's not ashamed to display his riches and make them available to his people. So wherever we see God's will done perfectly, we see prosperity. God's will is prosperity. That's part of his blessing. And Israel has always understood this from Abraham onwards. Abraham, of course, was very rich. And Israel has understood that God wants to bless and prosper his people. And if they would follow him, he would bless them. And they understood that poverty is part of the curse. Now, of course, I'm not saying that you can measure a person's relationship with God and how much he's blessed by God, by how much wealth they have, because we know it's a lot more complicated than that. But we do need to be clear as a starting point that God is good and he wants to bless his people. He's on the side of prosperity, not poverty. You know, the gospel is good news to the poor, whether we're spiritually poor, emotionally poor, physically poor in sickness, or, or financial poverty. The good news is that through Christ, praise God, his blessing is available to deliver us from poverty and to restore our broken down lives. And, and this is very clear in Deuteronomy chapter 28, where God contrasted the blessing and the curse. He said, if you follow me, you'll come under the blessing. If you walk away from me, you'll come unto the curse. And we're going to read sections of this just to make it absolutely clear that poverty is part of the curse, and prosperity is part of the blessing. That's what the Bible says. Verse 2, all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you, because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground and the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. They will come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses, in your bank accounts, and in all to which you set your hand. And he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. And the Lord will grant you plenty of goods." Hallelujah. In the fruit of your body, in the increase of your livestock, and in the produce of your ground, in the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open to you his good treasure, the heavens, to give the rain to your land in its season and bless all the work of your hand. You will lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above only and not beneath if you heed the commandments of the Lord. And clearly a big part of the blessing that God was promising them was financial prosperity. And then he went on to describe the curse in great detail. And uh, we're just going to pick out certain verses of that curse. Um, Verse 15, it says, it will come to pass if you don't obey the voice of the Lord your God. It says that all these curses will come on you to overtake you. And as we read on, it's not very pleasant reading, but God is very clear that, Poverty is part of the curse. So let's not glorify poverty or think that somehow that is God's will for our life. Well, if we continue to believe that, then we're trapped in it. But if we believe God wants to bless us, then our faith can rise and begin to move us into the blessing of God. Cursed shall you be in the city and cursed in the country, Cursed shall be your basket and kneading bowl. Cursed shall be the fruit of your body and the produce of your land, the increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flocks. Cursed shall you be when you come in. Cursed shall you be when you go out. All the heavens over your head shall be bronze, and the earth under you shall be iron. You will not prosper in your ways. You will be only oppressed and plundered continually. No one will save you. You'll build a house, but not dwell in it. You'll plant a vineyard, but not gather its grapes. A nation you have not known shall eat the fruit of your land and the of your labor. You shall be only oppressed and crushed continually. You'll carry much seed out to the field, but gather little in, for the locust will consume it. You'll plant vineyards and tend them, but you'll neither drink of the vine nor gather the grapes, for the worm shall eat them. You will have olive trees throughout your territory, but not anoint yourself with the oil, for your olives shall drop off. Locusts shall consume all your trees and the produce of your land. The alien among you shall rise higher and higher above you, and you will come down lower and lower. He will lend to you, and you will not lend to him. He'll be the head, and you'll be the tail. Moreover, all these curses will come on you and pursue and overtake you until you're destroyed, because you did not obey the voice of the Lord your God. You will serve your enemies in hunger, thirst, nakedness, and in need of everything. And God said all of that is not a blessing, it is a curse. That's common sense, of course, isn't it? And soon after, God described this uh, curse and blessing. He then, in Deuteronomy 30, he made it clear what he wanted his people to have. He wanted them to have the blessing of prosperity. He says, I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life, choose blessing, choose prosperity. That's what I want for you, he says. Jesus confirmed he was on that side as well. In John 10.10 he says the thief, the curse, Satan, does not come but to steal, kill and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. I want you to overflow. I want to bless you abundantly in every area of your life. And not just spiritual blessing, financial blessing too. And he proved that on on the cross for us. Because on the cross, Jesus took the curse of poverty and sickness and death on himself. And he did it for us so that we could be redeemed from the curse, released from the curse, and instead come under the blessing of life and health and prosperity. That's God's will for you. So don't let Jesus' death on the cross be in vain for you. Galatians 3.13 says that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. We saw the curse of the law in Deuteronomy 28 which included poverty. But Christ has redeemed us from that curse, hallelujah, having become a curse for us. You see, he took that poverty on himself. He, he gave it everything up. Having become a curse for us, for it's written, cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree. Why? That the blessing of Abraham, and the blessing of Abraham included riches, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. God wants us to be blessed through our faith on the basis of the cross when Jesus took the curse of poverty for us. So God does indeed want you to be blessed financially. Why? Because he loves you. And secondly, because the righteous will use their wealth righteously and use it to be a blessing to others. But if we don't believe God's will is to bless us financially, we will be in the ditch of unbelief. And that will limit how much blessing God can, uh, we can receive from God. And it will limit our ability to be a blessing to others. You see, the Bible talks, and, and it's so important to, to get this clear, because while we have a stronghold in our mind where we believe God doesn't want me to bless me very much, God wants to keep me in, if not poverty, a kind of area in which I just about survive, if I have that stronghold, the Bible talks about these strongholds, these false beliefs that we have about God and about our life. And out of that stronghold flows thoughts that will steal the blessings that God has for us. Whenever God wants to send great blessing to us, our mind immediately says, no, that can't be God's will. And and so we're not able to receive it. 2 Corinthians 10 talks about the fact that we need to use the weapons of God, the words of God, the truth of God to destroy those strongholds so that we can enter into the fullness that God has for us. It says the weapons of our warfare are mighty, through God for the pulling down of strongholds. These are mental strongholds, it says, casting down imaginations, that's false beliefs, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, against the word of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And and we need to locate these strongholds and destroy them. And these strongholds are often buttressed with human reasoning against the knowledge of God. You see, if we believe money's evil, we'll, we'll tend to resist it, and it will certainly stay away from us. If we believe poverty's good, then we'll feel guilty if God starts to bless us, and we'll allow that blessing to be stolen. If we believe God doesn't want to bless our finances, then that stronghold of unbelief will block our blessing. So let's come against some of the human reasonings against, uh, you know, against that prosperity that God wants for you. You know, if I quoted Oral Roberts, he said, I've been poor and I've been rich, and rich is better. You know, actually he's stating a very obvious thing, and a biblical thing, but if that statement makes you uh, struggle, that's a sign that you need to be set free from a poverty mentality, that somehow you think that poverty is God's will for you, lack is God's will for you. But if it If you believe that, then why are you trying so much, so hard, spending so much of your time trying to get out of God's will by trying to make some money? Some people say, well, God's not interested in my finances. He doesn't have a plan for them. I'll always struggle. And if we've always struggled, then it's easy to believe that. That, it will, that must be God's will for my life, because that's my experience. But don't judge God's will from your experience and your past. Judge it from the Word of God. Some say, oh, there isn't much money to go around, so I would not be greedy. Well, actually, there's enough wealth in the earth for us all to be millionaires. The problem is much of it's in the wrong hands. God wants to get it in the hands of his people, who will then use it to bless others. Some say, well, God wants me poor to stay humble and spiritual. Well, if that's true, and maybe it is, but what does that say about your character? And what does that say about God's saving grace in your life, if God has to put you in that state for for you to, to behave yourself? Well, another says, I want you. I just want enough to get by on, just to meet my needs. I don't want to be rich. I don't need any more than my basic needs. But you know you're being selfish. You're just thinking of yourself. You know, just imagine if you received twice as much as you have right now, then you could give 50% of your money away to missions. Wouldn't that be wonderful? That you're so blessed that you can give 50% away for the kingdom of God. And so if your motive is to be blessed financially so you can be a blessing, then you will be in position for God to bless you you'll be taking the limits off God. But if your motive is, well, I just want enough to be comfortable for myself and use it on myself, then you really don't qualify for God to bless you. That's the first issue in our heart we need to settle. Why do I want God to bless me financially so that I can be a blessing? That's the key to enter into a higher realm of God's prospering. Praise God. If God God makes you wealthy, what will you do with that money? Will you use it for him and the gospel to help the poor? Because if that's your heart, then you are in position. Somebody says, God does not really want to bless me much. You know, you need to expand your small thinking and, and to the thought that God may want to bless you big time, you know, as long as your motive is right. You know, some say, I don't want God to bless me very much. That would be greedy. and It would be depriving the other people in the world. But that misses the whole point of God's plan, how he wants to work in the finances of the world. You see, he wants us to be channels of blessing. So that he wants to bless us so that we use that wisely in blessing others. And if believers don't operate in prosperity, then the wealth is going to be in the wrong hands of the wicked Instead. And be used for their purposes. God needs to, to channel the mon- His money through His people to achieve His purposes. So you should not be opting out of that. Well, somebody says, "Well, it's all right for somebody with money or this stuff, but I'm poor." Actually, the truth of the matter is, we are all prosperous. If we lined up everyone in the world who has ever lived, you know, in order of the amount of uh, stuff that they have, their standard of living. You know, you, you would probably be in the, in the top five percent. You are prosperous, actually, already, but you should be believing God to increase you in that area. If you think talking about money is a bit distasteful, money somehow is evil, and so on, you feel guilty about being interested in it, that's a sign of a poverty mentality. You know, we might think God's not interested in it because it's it's not spiritual. But that's wrong. There's an enormous amount in the Bible on this subject. And so God is very interested in your finances and how you use your finances. And that's why we're doing a series on this. It's not a side issue. How you handle your finances is very important to God. It's a big part of your spiritual life. You know, if you're kind of saying, you know, God's not interested in that and um, it's not important to me, you know. Come on, be real. You spend a lot of your time in your life trying to get money. Yes, we're not to love money above God. But let's be honest. If I said right now, I'm offering a thousand pounds, and whoever wants that thousand pounds can phone into the church office and claim it, I bet the phone lines will be ringing off the hook. Isn't that right? And uh, there'll be a lot of excitement. And you know, there's nothing wrong with that. That would be normal, that would be natural. It's an important part of life and God has much to say on it. So let's not pretend otherwise. Be honest, wealth is a blessing. And if you disagree, you're not really being real. You know, if you were stolen from, if somebody stole from you, would you be happy or would you be upset? If you believe poverty is a blessing, then you ought to be rejoicing. But you would be upset because you know a blessing has been taken from you. We need to hear some strong prosperity teaching to drive out the kind of negative poverty thinking. It doesn't come from the Bible. God blessed the men of God of old. Often they were the richest people in their generation, like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Job, David, Solomon. And, but for most of them, the most impressive thing is God could give them those riches, but they still loved God more. And they were willing to give up those riches if necessary because their eternal riches was what was re- really mattered to them. But if you inherited a million pounds, would we see you in church next Sunday? That's the real issue. Do you, God doesn't mind you having money, but does money have you? And if your heart is right, God can trust you with, with, with wealth. Poverty thinking came into the Christian world probably through the Christian tradition, where maybe reacting against the abuses in the church, people wanted to become monks and detach themselves from earthly possessions, and these noble souls were looked up to. But actually, God's will, really, is not that we shouldn't have money, but we should receive that wealth and then use it for the Lord. That's the the real answer. And so we need God's word to build us up. Psalm 23 verse 1 says, The Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want. And, And sometimes we hear, God will give me my needs but not my wants. That's not in my Bible. It says, I shall not want, praise God. We need to get out of this poverty just get by kind of thinking. Survival's the name of the game. God, the poverty teaching is a stronghold raised up against the knowledge of God. Why is it against God? Because it makes him out to be stingy, mean, ungenerous. But God is a generous giver, as his divine power is given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. He's given us all things, he's not holding back. God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, he gave the most precious thing. And then it says, he who did not withhold his own Son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not also with him freely give us all things? My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Not according to our need, but according to his riches in glory. Beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers in the word of God. So God wants to prosper you.